We still good? All right. So tonight I'm going to do something I normally don't do. I'm going to preach around a theme, um, which is kind of unusual. I tend to just get a passage of Scripture, preach down that passage of Scripture. But tonight I'm going to preach around a theme. It's the first thing that I came across when I was studying. And also I think it's pretty applicable for the day and age and the time that we're living in. And uh, the theme tonight, we're going to talk about justice, um, a biblical view and response to current events. Um, so the Hebrew word for justice is mishpat, mishpat. And often this is a restorative justice. So uh, it, it means like seeking out the vulnerable who are being taken advantage of and advocating for the vulnerable. So it's like a step above charity or alms. Like So mishpat is not just like giving money to someone on the side of the road. And, and like going on about your day, it's actually advocating for those types of people. So the big idea tonight and the, the, the way we need to view justice, the lens we need to see it through, the big idea is that Jesus is justice, right? Ultimately, that's it. That's like if, if there's anything to know about justice is that Jesus Christ, the person of Christ, is justice. So if we have questions about justice, we just need to look at Jesus' life and the answers ultimately lie there. Well, we're going to go a little deeper than that, but that's the big idea. Jesus is justice. So an illustration. Um, think about you've committed some type of crime, like maybe it's a traffic ticket, something like that. And you're, you have to owe $500 or you go to jail for a week. So those are like the two trade-offs. So you get there to court. You don't have $500, right? But fortunately, your dad's the judge, right? But you also know that your dad is a just judge. He's a good judge. So he's not going to just, like, let you off just because you're his kid. So, like, one hand, you're like, man, I'm, I'm, I'm glad my dad's a judge. But on the other hand, you're like, man, like, I know he whips my butt when I'm at home. Like, he's... Like, I don't know. I don't know how this is going to play out. And so, I mean, he renders you guilty. He says, you're guilty of the crime. Do you have the $500? And you're like, no, I don't have any money. So just as the bailiff is coming to get you, he steps down off the bench. He takes off his robe. He puts down his gavel. And he gives you the $500. So that is ultimately the picture of justice. So God is a just judge. But he's provided that justice himself. So he gave of himself. So that, that's kind of the big idea. But three things that God says about justice, three things we're going to talk about. Um, he tells us in Scripture to, one, be a deliverer, to two, be knowledge, and to three, be a proclaimer. So the first place we're going to go to well, before that, well, no, we'll go ahead and go there. Jeremiah 22.3. Got the old school King James tonight. It went away. There it is. Thus saith the Lord, execute judgment and righteousness and deliver the spoiled out of the hand of the oppressor and do no wrong, do no violence to the stranger, the fatherless, nor the widow, neither shed innocent blood in this place. So in Jeremiah 22, the, the context, you always got to provide the context. 
uh, Jeremiah here is going to be pleading with the king of Judah. So, right, so they're under judgment. Um, and they've been, but they've been very corrupt. And a lot of their corruption stems with mistreating people of lower class. So like the upper class dudes, you know, kind of have this like fraternity going on. And they're mistreating people that are, you know, of lower station. So there is an impending judgment upon Judah. And if you've ever read Jeremiah, like basically his whole deal in his prophetic ministry was all about like stop doing what you're doing. Like God, God is bringing judgment. He has a way out for you, but you're going to have to stop doing what you're doing. And later in Jeremiah uh, 22, 6 and 7, if you can put that up, JT. Uh, it says, uh, For thus saith the Lord unto the king's house of Judah, Thou art Gilead unto me. So if you know where Gilead is, it's like the promised land, right? So he's, he's telling them like, hey, you, you are my people, right? Thou art my people, essentially, and the head of Lebanon. Yet surely I will make thee a wilderness and cities which are not inhabited. And I will prepare destroyer, destroyers against thee, every one with his weapons, and they shall cut down thy choice cedars and cast them into the fire. So here, ultimately, Jeremiah is being critical of the people, not, in a, not with a critical spirit, but he's warning the people. Here's what's going to happen if you keep doing these things. So rejection of true justice leads to God's rejection of us. So ultimately, what's he saying here? If, if you don't do this, I'm going to allow people to come against you and throw you into the fire, right? So it's over. And I, that's what I love Jeremiah, because that, that's a constant pattern in Jeremiah. Here's the solution, and here's what's going to happen if you don't fix it. It's so simple. I love it. So justice here, as we can see, is the heartbeat of God. God cares about who? Jesus said this, the orphan, the widow, the poor, the marginalized. Remember he said, whatever you do unto the least of these, you've done under me, right? unto me. So that's essentially what he's saying, the marginalized people. There he's talking about children, but he's really addressing the marginalized crowd. Because in that culture, like they thought children were just stupid, right? But Jesus was telling them, no, that they actually have a keen insight and intellectual ability that you don't know about, that you're not understanding. So he's also just saying, hey, all the marginalized people, how you are treating them, that's how you're treating me. Because who is Jesus ultimately? If we, if we see him on earth, he was a very marginalized person, right? People, sure, he had a, a great following, but ultimately there were a lot more people to come against Jesus, right? So that, that's how he's saying, hey, what you do to them, you're doing to me. How you treat people of lower station, you're treating me that way. So don't show favoritism, but once again... God's calling us here to be a deliverer. So don't show favoritism, but deliver the oppressed with the captivating good news of the death and resurrection. So the justice is the cross. So kind of addressing today's culture, we we see a lot of movements. Some of them are good. Some of them aren't. Not really going to delve into that. But ultimately, what we got to be about is the cross. There is no justice without the cross. We can't have true justice without that. So whatever some of our political beliefs are, it's just a fact. It's a biblical truth 
that without presenting the cross to people, people cannot actually find justice. So all of our attempts to provide justice in this life will ultimately be vain if we don't share the gospel with them. Because remember, the, the big idea of all this is Jesus is justice, right? And if Jesus is justice, if we're not presenting Jesus to people, we're not actually providing anybody with actual, real, hardened justice. So the justice is the cross. We aren't going to be able to deliver many folks, though, if we don't know how to, right? So in the process of justice, not only is God going to say, hey, you need to be a deliverer, he's going to tell us we need to be knowledge. So Isaiah 117. Learn to do well, right? Seek judgment, relieve the oppressed, judge the fatherless, and plead for the widow. So he's going to keep mentioning the same people over and over and over again. And what happens if we repeat things over and over again? We're really trying to get someone to understand it, right? And normally it's because we're talking to hard-headed folks. We're talking to people that maybe that's not their actual belief. So we're trying to get them to understand it. But here he's saying, learn to do well. We have to learn to do God, to do good. So we cannot execute any type of righteous judgment without knowledge of things like virtue, holiness, steadfastness, and, and a sound mind. So, and that's what we're going to see wrong with a lot of present culture is and a lot, of, a lot of the attempts to provide justice are vain because there's no holiness. There's no sound mind, right? There's not always virtue. And in order to actually have justice, all those things have to be present. Otherwise, we get none of that. Because remember, Jesus' justice, Jesus was all those things, right? He was holy. He was virtuous. He had a sound mind. Right? You didn't see him you know, contemplating things, freaking out all the time. Like he knew what he was doing when he came up in a place. And so that's where we have to be, too, if we're going to try to render any type of righteous judgment. But unfortunately, we render judgments on people based on our own perceptions, right? based on how we think they think. Like a lot of times we don't even know what they actually think. And sometimes we see people do some stupid stuff, and so we just dismiss them. Right? Well, that guy's just an idiot. But if you read the gospel, you really have to watch that mindset because you're, you're in danger. You're in danger of missing the whole thing if you just dismiss people. So uh, learning, to do good, learning to do good is a process, a, a transformative one. So in the process of learning, like you didn't learn how to read overnight, you know, you didn't learn how to really do anything overnight other than I learned how to ride a bicycle pretty quick because Dad taught me on a gravel road. So I didn't fall very many times. Right? My, my dad, that's pretty much how he taught me to do everything was through, like, physical pain. Uh, it works sometimes. But normally the process is pretty slow, though. Learning is a process, and so there's grace to be applied, but we have to get on that path. We have to start learning to do good so that we can make righteous judgments and not one, ones based on what we see with our own eyes, because our eyes are no good. The Gospels also say that. So we must allow God to transform our ironclad, sunk-in-the-sand mindsets in order to increase our knowledge of his system of justice 
and mercy. Like I said earlier, a lot of us are stubborn, we're rigid, and sometimes that's good. Like We need to be rigid in the faith, but we also need to be able to, to increase our thinking capacity and have, a more, have better knowledge on things and not just dismiss things that we see on the surface. We, we need to get down to the bottom level and understand people. And if you look at Jesus' life, he was not dismissive of people. Like even people that, you know, his counterparts, the Pharisees, they thought that he should have been more dismissive, right? These people are sinners. Why are you hanging around them? But Jesus d didn't dismiss people. He got, what did he do? What was his pattern? He befriended people, right? Jesus, the friend of sinners, right? So he took time to explore people, understand their mindset. And this room is probably filled with people who maybe have a wider range of mindsets. We have different ages. It's all kinds of things. So we have to take the time to be able to understand people and get to know people so that we can have better knowledge and we can deliver righteous judgments. Our Proverbs 9.10 The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. So we have to have a knowledge of Him, right? So that we can understand situations. I love reading Proverbs, Ecclesiastes. That's, that's my, I pretty much read Proverbs and Ecclesiastes at some point every day. That's just my jam because there's so much good stuff in here, right? We need to be able to increase our knowledge of him because if we have fear of the Lord, we don't fear people. We don't fear things. We don't fear things that are happening here on earth, whether whatever it is, we're not going to have a fear of those things because our fear is a holy fear of him, right? And that's the way we need to be living. And if we're not living that way, we can't make the righteous judgments that, that maybe we need to make or at least would be a whole lot better, obviously, than some of the judgments that we make. So, like I said, without knowledge and understanding and without being knowledgeable, we will render bad judgments possibly leading to issues with God down the line, as in Jeremiah 22. So what was happening in Jeremiah 22, right? There was a bunch of corruption. They did not understand the heart of God. To, to them, it was all about getting rich, right, and cozying up with your buddies. And that's often what we see in American life, unfortunately. But that's going to lead, obviously, to issues with God down the line. And they, like I said, they did not have a knowledge of God. So we can have all the knowledge to render correct judgments, but if we are not proclaimers, our knowledge is useless and we will never deliver the oppressed. So out of the three things, proclaiming the message is the most important, right? So like I said, if, if we um, have all the knowledge but we don't proclaim... It's useless, right? It's like the wind. All the head knowledge, but no mouth. It's not going to get us anywhere. So be a proclaimer. Proverbs 31, 8 through 9. Open thy mouth for thy dumb in the cause of all such as are appointed to destruction. 
Well, that's some King James there. That's good. Open thy, so open thy mouth, though, is kind of the essential aspect of this scripture, right? I was trying to get this in the MEV, but that was, a, that was a tongue twister for some reason. But we have to open our mouth, right? So this passage of scripture is dealing with people that are, are oppressed. And so the MEV says, son, like basically, son, give a voice to the speechless, Right, so you are supposed to be the voice to the people that don't have a voice. And ultimately, like what we say, Jesus is justice. Here we're learning, be a voice to the voiceless. If we don't do that, we're like back in Jeremiah 22, when he's saying, hey, you are my people, yet I, I'm, I'm going to be done with you at some point, you know, if, if you don't get your act together. So we have to be a voice to the voiceless. It's not, it's not negotiable or option. Like, there may be different ways to go about it, and, and God wants us to use our gifts in how we administer justice. We all have different gift sets, but ultimately we have to. It's, it's, not, it's not an option. I'm going to look at uh, Luke 4.18. This is a, one of my favorite passages of Scripture. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. This is Jesus. This is the red letters. Because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to who? The poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised. So in many ways, this is simply standing up for people from the bullies of the world and from those who are not allowed, uh, who have not allowed God to expand their knowledge, who are not being knowledge. Everyone needs a good defense from time to time. Right? I'm surely glad that people have shown up in my life and defended me. Now, there's been plenty of times where that's not been the case, too. But I'm very thankful that I've had a defense. So like I said, the theme of all this is open your mouth. Right? But in Luke 4.18, who is Christ saying he's anointed for? He's anointed for the poor, the brokenhearted, the captive, the blind, and the oppressed. So for the poor, Jesus offers wealth in the fullness of God. For the brokenhearted, Jesus is the healer of hearts and wounds. For the captive, he is the liberation. For the blind, he is sight. And for the oppressed, he is freedom. Right? And we can't really ultimately provide that here on earth. It's just not going to happen. People think too differently. People have viewpoints. People are what we've talked about. They're stubborn, like they're set in their ways. Now, we need to accomplish what we can. That's not a reason to be passive. But ultimately, it's all null and void if we're not providing the good news, right? Because last time I checked, I'm not really wealth for the poor. Um, not exactly the healer of hearts and, and wounds, um, I never really provided any liberation for any captives. Um, you know, I obviously, I don't necessarily have the power to provide sight for the blind. Obviously, that comes from, from Christ. So ultimately, we, like what I'm, what I'm getting at is we can't really do it. We have to give people Jesus. Jesus is justice. So Jesus was also not a social justice warrior, Right, but he constantly displayed and acted upon godly justice and mercy that was and still is primarily based around unmerited favor. 
So often in the things that we're, we're currently seeing in the world, there's a middle ground, and that actually is Jesus, right? That, that, so we, we see one extreme, we kind of see another extreme, and those, those two extremes are played out on the news media, right? You're either, you're either way over here or way over here, but no, that Jesus is, is sitting right there. You know, he's saying to these guys, hey, you need to care more about people, You've got to get out in the community. You can't be afraid of talking to people, people that look different than you, people that walk different, talk different, smell different, act different. And he's saying to these guys, like, hey, sometimes maybe your point's not getting across very well. You're not using very good methods, right? He's saying, I'm justice, right? Display me, and people will increase in knowledge, right? And people will understand better. Give them me. Give those people me. I'll provide justice, right? Because ultimately, what's he say? He says, vengeance is mine, right? So he's all about taking that justice. So Jesus is, like I said, not necessarily calling us to be a part of fringe social, social movements, but rather is calling us to be challenged by our biases and perceptions of people and moving towards learning to do good, and to seek justice. In Micah 6, 8, it says, um, what? Seek justice, love mercy, and walk humbly with God. Right? And that's what we have to be about uh, with all people. And if we could all just seek justice, love mercy, and walk a little more humbly, we'd probably get a lot more things accomplished here on earth. And, and that's where we have to get to. So, Justice cannot be, like I said, cannot be established without the gospel and its life-changing message of restoration and restitution. Like I said earlier, ultimately we can't provide that. We have to give people Christ. So the hope for America and our woes, we got a lot of woes. There's a lot of messed up things. There's messed up things on all fronts. You see a lot of presuppositions made about people from this group and this group and I hate those people and I hate those people and, and all that is just utter nonsense. Jesus is here the whole time saying, hey, just come be a part of my family. Now, unfortunately, sometimes his family, because we're people, have held those same presuppositions. And so we have to be willing to be challenged, right? We have to be willing to not be stuck in the rut. We gotta, we, it's okay to change your opinion. Now, you need to have a sound mind so it doesn't need to be doing this. You know, but don't be stuck in that rut. Realize maybe I've had some biases against people. The, you know, the way they smell. I've heard some people, I just can't stand the way that person smells. That doesn't need to be a part of our thinking. Well, it, doesn't, it doesn't matter how somebody smells or looks or talks. I talk really funny and I hope people don't not like me, right? So we've got to continue to love people no matter what. And, and, and point them towards Christ. So that, that is the hope of America. And it's solely found in the liberation that Christ offers to people of all races, creeds, ethnicities, or previously held beliefs. So kind of our call to action, I'm about to close, it's quick. Um, we need to be deliverers, right? We've got we've to be willing to to be friends to people, right? To sit down next to people, to actually listen to people. So how many of us sometimes when we're talking to people, 
they're talking and we're already thinking about like what we're going to say back. You know, so like we're muddling through, oh, maybe I should say this or maybe I should say that. And then in the process of that, we're just missing what they're saying. Right. So how are we how are we going to going to make it? How are we going to be able to deliver people if, if we don't understand them? Like, no, Jesus took time to understand people like. I just wish I would have been there to, to see some of that. And it just would have been wickedly cool just to just to see how he handled people. So, like I said, Jesus is a deliverer. Jesus is knowledge and Jesus is a proclaimer. And he's challenging us tonight to be all those things, too. And the broad scheme of, you know, that Jesus is justice. And, and we've got to be able to offer that for people. To, so seek God's justice and his guidance on how you can implement that in your daily life. And, so how, and also how you can use your gifts in the process. So God did not give us spiritual gifts just for our own self-gratitude, right? That's actually kind of against the spiritual gifts, last time I read them, and we have to barely use those in the face of delivering God's justice to the world, and obviously we're human, we're going to, honestly, we're going to continue to fail at it, it's like baseball though, like if a baseball player uh, gets a hit 30% of the time, he's an excellent baseball player, you know, if he gets on base 40% of the time, he's amazing, you know, and that's, that's honestly kind of where we end up, where we fall. We're going to mess up, but Jesus the whole time is saying, hey, I'm justice, I'm reconciliation. You know, seek my face, I've got the answers. You know, I'm the liberator. And, and that's what we need to be offering for people. So I'm going to close just with saying again that we need to be willing to be challenged. And honestly, I, I think that that's a, one of the biggest problems that we have it, just as people, is we don't really like to be challenged. We don't like our viewpoints to be challenged. We don't like our thoughts to be challenged. And a lot of people sure don't like their feelings to be challenged. Unfortunately, feelings are oftentimes in culture more important than logic, right? And people would almost rather you attack their logic. They don't have any anyways, and, but not attack their feelings. Feelings are... I'm not going to get on that soapbox, but we got to be willing to be challenged and, and accept the fact that maybe we don't have it all, you know, figured out. And maybe, maybe when we see things on social media, maybe it's not always as it appears, you know, and let's, let's investigate. Let's get down to the, to the core of people and to the heart of people. And, and that's where Jesus is. And as I look through the Gospels, I, I, you know, back on this subject of being challenged, I kind of felt weird tonight talking about justice because it's like such a, like a hot-button issue. But as, as I read through Scripture, Jesus was all about challenge. I mean, he was all about challenging some folks. Now, he did it in a, in a godly manner, but Jesus was not afraid to challenge, right? To challenge mindsets, to challenge views, previously held opinions about all kinds of a wide array of things. And Jesus challenged people, and we have to be willing to accept the challenge that Jesus is offering us to, to see people in a biblical manner, to treat people biblically, to give biblically, to do biblically, and to, to be a deliverer, to be knowledge, and to be a proclaimer. And 
I just challenge you guys as we close tonight to take that out the rest of the week. Be those three things and investigate for yourself through Scripture. What does God have me to do in these times? You know, what is my role to play? You know, because I can get up here and I'm not just saying I just, just willy-nilly it, but I can give you three viewpoints, but God might give you three other points, maybe three different points, three different ways to look at this subject. But we all have to do it in a God-honoring way through a biblical lens, not through our lens, because we've talked about tonight, our lens is distorted. And so when we see people, just like God sees us, we have to see Jesus in those people. And that's hard, because I, I don't have a critical spirit, but sometimes I can be very critical of things that I know are wrong. But we have to address those things in, in a godly manner. And so I challenge you guys, like I said, as we close the rest of the week, um, to go out, to be those things. But more importantly, right, to dig for yourself and to understand what is God having me to do and what is my role to play in this time. Thank you, guys. You're dismissed.